Welcome to Troubadours on Trek. This is your captain speaking, Grace Pettis. I'm a big star. Trek fan. I'm also a working musician and a songwriter. I review episodes of Star Trek with other musicians and music industry professionals. We share an episode of the greatest science fiction series of all time. And they share their songs and road stories with us. New fandom is created. Our Spotify playlist, like the universe, continues to expand. Guys, guys, we're being hailed. Now don't you worry, baby. Don't you worry, none. What you got is what I want All right. Welcome to another amazing edition of Troubadours on Trek. We are on season one, episode 11, um, which is an episode called The Menagerie, and this is part one. It's a double feature, double header, two-parter episode, and because of that, we're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, I actually have two amazing musicians with me today. I've got Ellen Angelico and Ryan Medora. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, I just thought because it's a double feature, I would get you know, double guests. But the way it's going to work is we're going to sort of make part one of the Menagerie, the Ellen Angelico episode, and we're going to make part two, the Ryan Medora episode. These are two amazing musicians that play together a lot. And so I figured it'd be fun to kind of have them together. Um, And they have both watched both episodes, I believe, correct? Yes. (laughs) Fantastic. For continuities purposes. Um, So yeah, but for part one, we're going to dive into all things Ellen. Uh, So let's just, you know, the part two will be a Ryanorama, but let's, let's, let's dive into the Ellen part. Um, Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Ellen Angelico. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Ellen, you are an in-demand session musician. (laughs) I'm basically reading your bio on your website, but there's a Mm. lot of good stuff. Uh, You tour with Cam, the phenomenal and famous country artist cam um you're featured on a ton of records you've played everywhere from the grand old opry to and i had to look this up krasanki did i say that right the most important thing is that i have played on a grace grace pettis record that's true that is at the top (gasps) of your resume i'm sure yeah Mm -hmm. i I will yeah i should have mentioned erase the the rest of the resume (laughs) that's that's what i want to be known for but let's get back to this Krizanki thing, because like, is that in Slovenia? What is what is? Yeah, that? it's called Krizanke, and it's cool. a it. it's a venue in Slovenia that I had the great pleasure of playing. Awesome! How did you end up in Slovenia? Hey, Slovenian bud. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's how a lot of people end up in Slovenia. I, I, I'll have to take your word for that. Yeah. Um. Well, and another thing that you're doing, which I have been very entertained by, is uh, a YouTube series for uh, Fanny's House of Music in East Nashville, a guitar store. Um, and you're doing kind of like their YouTube videos and their social media stuff. Tell me about yeah. that. How did you get involved with that? I, uh, I actually am uh, thrilled to report I am no longer doing their social media. We have, we have <laughs> passed that off onto someone much more capable than me, which is wonderful news. But slash, I do still... young and unpaid. <laughs> I do... No, no, not unpaid. Um, okay, paid, cool. but we have passed it off. And I, uh, I do still make their YouTube content. Um, and it's been a labor of love for many years now. I am, uh, I am a Fanny's fanatic and I also work there. (laughs) So (laughs) I am, I, I just adore that place. Uh, their mission is my mission. 
And so I am thrilled to occasionally make a YouTube video for them. Well, tell me about their mission then, because I, you know, I kind of know it as a guitar store. Yeah, um, Fanny's is a guitar store, but it is uh, run by women for women, and mm-hmm. it's a great guitar store for anybody. But it was designed with um, keeping a uh, non-judgmental, comfortable environment, uh, which is not always people's first uh, priority when they're opening a guitar store. So it's it is a guitar store with a special atmosphere. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I had like many kind of meh experiences in like guitar centers across the country on tour with like no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, very, very cool. All right. Well, um, and I think you're also, you have like your own kind of band in your own original music as well. Right. And you're like, aren't you working on new music? Oh goodness. No, I am. Uh, I, I only play shows of my own music once every like five years. But didn't Um, you say though, like in your email, like, I could give you something more recent, but it's not on Spotify. Oh yeah. Um, that's true. I, I am. I, I mean, I haven't, there, there was a, there was an, a, a, I don't know if y'all heard, but there was an apocalypse that happened recently. I didn't yeah, feel especially yeah. creative. Uh, so I haven't really been writing, but I, a little, you know, just a little bit here and there. And I try to record just to get the idea somewhere besides my noodle which is not historically a good place to store information long-term. So it's, yeah, that's, that's all, that's all I kind of, kind of meant by that. But no, I don't, I don't, songwriting is not my main thing. I do like your songs a lot though. Oh, thanks Grace. I appreciate that. I mean, it's fun. And I, I uh, occasionally enjoy putting on a show and, you know, I just love, I just love to be with other people. I'm an extrovert. I love to make other people laugh. I love to, to communicate with music with people, but, um, I also hemorrhage money when I record, yeah. when I record and play my own stuff. So it's like, it, my incentives are all off. Oh boy. <laughs> do I know about that one? Um, yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I hope you do more of it because it's very entertaining and, uh, well, thanks. I, I really that. like your songs a lot. Don't you go, you go by uncle Ellen, right? Yeah. So. That's a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I originally was doing it under my own name and then it's a long story, but I ended up getting involved with some, um, uh, stuff with the city of Nashville. And I, uh, yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me about this Metro Nashville arts commission thing. Cause I, am I don't know what that is. Yeah. I'm a commissioner on Nashville's Metro arts commission, which is a, um, body of citizens appointed by the mayor to kind of oversee, um, how the city can facilitate arts in, in, and just like, it it has a lot to do with like funding, (laughs) distributing funding. I've, I've only been a commissioner since January, so I'm still kind of learning ins and outs. That's really rad though. What an important job. Yeah. It feels, it feels cool. Um, and I, I really enjoy learning about it and thank you. Um, but I thought that maybe if I was going to like borderline hold public office that, Maybe I shouldn't have all of my um, comedy country songs about unrequited lesbian love under my own name. But there, maybe it would be oh, better. Oh, I don't know. Just, maybe it would be better to just kind of create some separation. Well, if you say so. I don't know. I I think maybe <laughs> that that improves Nashville as a whole. That those exist. Oh well, but, uh, thanks. I also just <laughs> it's just nice to have a kind of an alias. But I haven't. Yeah, I hear that. I just recently, you know filed all the things on the internet and 
it's a new, new thing for me. Right on. Um, well, and you were recently called by the Nashville scene, uh, an ace of all things stringed. Well, not re- not that recently. That was well, recent like enough 2014. For the <laughs> <laughs> recent enough because we we deal with a show that was made in the 60s, so that's uh, yeah. It's in all the relative, scheme of really. things, it's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they and like they're in the future. So the yeah, whole, that's what I'm saying. The like, whole thing is just spread out. Yeah, this is a big this is a big timeline we're working with. Um, yeah. So, but they called you one of the greatest utility players in Nashville. That must have felt good. Yeah, that was very kind. Although, in full disclosure, that was my my one of my dearest friends, and my former, <laughs> one counts. of my dearest friends, and my former roommate who wrote that. But yeah, still counts. Still I got counts. a man on the inside. They published it, man. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Yeah, it counts. <laughs> um, so, you and Ryan have worked together on a lot of things, notably, as we said, my record. Clearly, yes. like the shining jewel. Yes. In, in, in both of your resumes. <laughs> yes. Gra- Grammys but, 2020. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, how did you guys do? I don't know what year it is. Anymore. Well, whenever. Who, what yeah. is time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but where did you guys meet? Like, how did you start working together? What was your first project? And, and Ryan, I know you've been so polite and considerate this whole time, but feel free to chime in. Um, I don't remember re- meeting Ryan. Ryan, do you remember meeting me? I, I don't. Um, yeah. I so think you just don't... kind of appeared yeah. as somebody that would be in my life for various <laughs> reasons. Yeah. I don't Mostly. know. We just, yeah, we, we don't, I don't, yeah. Who knows? We're not really sure. We just, I mean, I'm sure we ended up doing a project with a songwriter. Like that's, how, that's <laughs> all the thing. That's a big part of the things that we do together. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure well, we that- just ended up doing a project with a songwriter. And and then also sometimes like we yeah I guess we we've probably first met doing something together with a various songwriter, um, but then also sometimes I think part of our knowing each other is, um, like you can be me sometimes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that I oh. forgot about that part. Yeah, because I yeah. Ryan has occasionally um, asked me to sub for her on bass, Got and it. I of course I of course bass is not my primary instrument, and I of course recommend Ryan for. Um, anything and everything I can. So, you know, we're just in, but as has been established by the Nashville scene, all things stringed. So yeah, generously established. Um, the, yeah, it's, we just, uh, have similar, uh, temperaments. We don't necessarily have similar skill sets, but we, we have similar temperaments and I think we can fit into each other's situations fairly seamlessly. And I think it also has something to do with the similarities of our wardrobes. Oh yeah, same size. Um, oh my gosh, we, we typically wear the same thing. Yeah, you guys I did mean, in I that, wear my in clothes. That YouTube and, thing that you guys were in, you guys were wearing the same. You were for the fannies thing. Y'all yeah, were, yeah. Showed up it just happens outfit. that way. <laughs> yeah, down to the shoes, like it was identical. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's less. I feel like it's less now it used to be kind of weird. Like it was, it was almost all the, it yeah. was almost all the time. Well, the thing is I started, I ended, so sometimes I do this thing where I buy, if I find a shirt that works, I buy like five or six or seven sure. of those sure. shirts. So there was a time when like I was, I would just bought all these shirts and it turns out that Ellen has similar shirts. And then like, I guess about two years ago, I found other shirts and i Bought all those, so now I have slightly different shirts than Ellen. Yeah, yeah, we're we're slowly, you know, slowly diverging. Okay, okay. Um, so we made a record together. That was fun. 
It was um, fun. It was yeah. super fun. It was super fun. Um, and Mary Bragg is the reason that that happened. Um, how did you, Ellen Angelico, end up in Mary Bragg's Rolodex? Do you remember? Everybody knows Mary Bragg. I yeah. feel like she's connected to everybody in Nashville, um, especially, um, especially women and especially like folk adjacent <laughs> uh, people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I don't remember how I met Mary Bragg either. I guess it was probably through Kashana. It does that feel that way too? though, that like she knows everybody through Kashana. Oh, Kashana's so great, man. Mm-hmm. She's the actual best in the world. Ryan, is that how you know Mary too? I think so. I think there's some kind of, yes, like folky Americana singer songwriter <laughs> situation where that happens. Yeah. Where you, where you just, you meet Mary Bragg. I think I met, I may have actually met Mary Bragg at like a networking event that I went to on a whim at a bar with a bunch of other like women in the industry. Mm. And I was like, you're Mary. And I know we had met before, but I was like, you're Mary Rag. And she was like, you're Ryan Medora. And we had this moment of like, yeah, we've seen each other in similar places to met before, but never like got to have a conversation. Awesome. Um, so like we were both kind of like myths and legends in our respective minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. But yeah. And I think that happened at Walden. Mm. Yes. On, Lovely. On Gallatin. This is a bar, I'm assuming. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Well, okay, back to Ellen, because this is the Ellen episode. Um, Ellen, what is your history with Star Trek? None. None at all? Like, you've never seen it before you watched this episode? Yeah. This was your introduction? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't I'm not know a big, that. I don't, I don't really, it's, it's, I just don't, it, it's a weird thing, but I don't particularly care for watching anything, um, television or movies. I do, I enjoy sports. But I don't, I just don't, and I, but even like I enjoy sports, but I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really watch anything. It takes, it takes a lot. Um, it, it probably says something about whether or not I find you to be a quality person if you ask me to watch something. And you're, I, I think and you're I've, like the only person I know that doesn't binge television. Like I, I don't know anyone else that, that watches nothing. I mean, Betty Sue, my friend Betty Sue, she watches like very few things, but she doesn't watch nothing. <laughs> nah, I don't watch anything. I don't watch movies or TV. I just, you know, I'm always, what do you do? Other always than, like, something I would time. rather. Yeah. There's always something I'd rather be doing making a sandwich, you know, literally anything. <laughs> wow. I just don't, I don't have a lot of patience. And then I end up like doing something else. Like I end up screwing around on my phone or like uh-huh. whatever. And then, or like, you know, trying to read something <laughs> and then like half of the thing has gone past and I, you know, and then I, and then I get upset because I haven't watched the thing, and so then I got to rewind the thing, and then and then it turns out that, you know worse that I did, actually didn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah. I actually got more out of screwing around on my phone. Do you, you know, think have, that like do you having think a Brazilian is- guy kick my butt in chess or something? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do, you, do you think that like reading is easier because it's like you can pick it up and put it down whenever and like a hundred percent, yeah, 100%. and you can go at your own pace, sort yep. of. Yep, like, the pacing is up to you. Hundred yeah. percent. I feel that, that makes way. sense. Yeah, but then I, I'm also getting that you just like to play games on your phone as well. I I do enjoy playing chess <laughs> on my phone. I will not lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, Spock plays a lot of chess too. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. He. I. I. I think I'm inclined to like him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, let's dive right in. Um, what right. did you What do you think about this episode? This first episode of Star Trek for you. 
I took minute by minute notes. Do you want to go through? <laughs> do you want to go me. through that way? Just with whatever. Yeah. Six six thirty two p.m. I press play. Six thirty three p.m. I want all the close ups to be farther away. This is why I don't watch. <laughs> this is why I don't watch TV. <laughs> six thirty four p.m. Why are none of these people wearing masks? <laughs> Six thirty-five p.m. Again with the close-ups. Um, Six thirty-seven p.m. Old pointy ears has some noticeable pecs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's been a few weeks since I've watched the episode, so I don't remember what this refers to. But six thirty-nine p.m. This guy wears a bathrobe to work. This guy wears a bath. Oh, probably it's that on Starbase Eleven. The guy in the um, like engine room or whatever who had all the controls for the starbase. The guy <laughs> yeah, that got neck was, cinched. Yeah, he yeah. was funny. Uh, and then at six forty p.m. I said, "Wasn't he wearing a blue bathrobe? It's red now." Um, <laughs> Might be. I have to go back. And six forty six p.m. Whenever these people are shouting, I can't understand them. Uh huh. Um, six fifty p.m. <laughs> they are being chased by a lunchbox. I'm not sure what that's about. Wait, what? <laughs> Somebody were they being chased? Um, were they being chased? I'll look it up. Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about? Oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the shuttlecraft, which was Kirk like following the Enterprise because the Enterprise had been hijacked by Spock. Yeah, and I thought that whatever they're being chased by looked like a lunchbox. It does kind of look like (laughs) a lunchbox. I can see that. Yeah, that is that's a shuttlecraft. They're like kind of short range spacecraft. You know. Oh, <laughs> like they sort of go out from the big ship and then, but they have to come back. They can only go so far. So they're good for like emergency situations or like if your transporter doesn't work, but you still have to get to the planet, that kind of thing. So it's I like, think here hard. at six fifty PM is like probably a good point for me to say that like my irreverence with this is not, does not in any way, uh, is not in any way meant to trivialize like, no, dude, it's your totally love fine. for this. Trust um, me, uh, I I am not capable of like okay. <laughs> of like being like, like some of the smartest and yeah. funniest people in my life love Star Trek, and so I don't. I, don't I have mean to tell to, you that like the majority of people think it's like hilarious that I like it. Like they just like so it's it's just a thing that I'm used to. Like and and all of my musician okay. friends that I've had on this podcast, like most of them, you know, they've probably seen an episode or two or whatever. But it's like it's not a thing that they're into necessarily. So. Mm-hmm. That's the norm. Like that's not it. Okay, cool. Because yeah. I don't. I definitely don't mean to. No, like, I'm not. Trying don't to, take it that way. You're I'm allowed not to, to not like it. You're or think it's weird or whatever. Like I just. Yeah, I kind of like to get people's impressions. You know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. But, I didn't not like it. Uh, uh-huh. The the next note that I have six fifty four p.m. Uh, it was. Uh, it says green earrings is a bold choice with a red suit. Um, is that Ahura? Ahura's like. I don't remember who that was. I think it was it like the hoop earrings. I feel like that's yes. I think so. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so I, I thought that was a bold choice. Her um, her character is like of African descent, and like her name is is Swahili. And so, like one of the little character kind of things is that like she sort of personalizes her uniform that way. Um, that's cool. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> you think they could have given her like a green uniform, but all right. Um, yeah, six, yeah. six fifty seven PM. It says Taos four question mark. They're just going to New Mexico. 
(laughs) Basically, this is, I actually thought that that was really funny. It's funny you bring that up because like the whole premise is that there's these aliens, the Telosians, and they've like, their planet's so barren and nothing can grow there. There's no animals. So they all just like moved into caves and now they just watch TV all the time, basically like Mm. telepathically. And which, you know, it's a good premise, except it's like, then you have to think about the fact that like Las Vegas exists, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There's no reason for Las Vegas. It's like. Like, they could have still built a mall or, like, an indoor swimming, you know, an indoor, yeah. like, water park or something. like A uh, top golf. Yeah, yeah. Anything. There's still things you can do in the desert. Like Yeah, 100%. Can, so, yeah. I was kind of confused by that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It, I mean, I didn't think about it that deeply. I just, <laughs> I, I was just making a silly quip, but you're right. There is a parallel there for sure. Yeah. And I also, um, it also kind of make, made me think about just people during the pandemic and the way that we have all sequestered ourselves in caves and watched television. And, mm, <laughs> like, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, it is odd. Like I was, uh, there, there was more than one time that I caught myself noticing that they weren't wearing masks. <laughs> right. And I, I think that's, that's partly because I just don't watch any TV in general. So I'm not I'm not seeing that you're not used to it play out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it did strike me several times during this Star Trek um, <laughs> uh, voyage that I went on, so to speak. Seven uh, ten p.m. The difference between young Spock and old Spock is old Spock has a cleaner haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they yeah, that's the thing. So they they set the uh, you know the former like archive or whatever of the original enterprise crew like 13 years in the past even though and this is interesting so so you might have noticed that this is kind of like an episode within an episode um did you guys catch on to that like there's oh like like the backstory yeah so there's like kind of a a frame which is like this court martial thing and then within that there's like this other embedded episode of like this guy captain pike and like his adventures or whatever yeah. And the reason for that is that the footage from this two-parter episode was taken from an original pilot called The Cage. Um, and this is actually very interesting. Desi Lu, which is the studio, which also made I Love Lucy and some oh, other yeah. things. So run by Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, but at the time, mostly Lucille Ball. Um, whenever The Cage was uh, was made, it's I thought it was a great episode, actually the episode that they borrowed a lot of um, scenes from for this one, but it didn't convince like the network executives. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't really flashy enough. It wasn't, wasn't enough like fight scenes and sexy girls and whatever. So it didn't convince the suits, but um, mm. Lucille ball actually like championed star Trek and convinced them to like pay for a second pilot, um, which became the third episode of star Trek. So Wow, uh, where no man has gone before. So the first um, episode was never aired. So the first original pilot, and that was very unusual. Mostly, like if a pilot didn't land, like they would not have invested money in a second one, especially because the show was very expensive at the time to make, um, and it was a really unusual premise. There was really nothing like it on TV. It was taking a lot of risks with like an interracial crew and things like that. So. Um, it was very unusual that they greenlighted a second pilot, but they did have some demands. And one of them is that they got rid of like the female first officer, um, which you may have noticed. And, um, and then they just had Spock 
you know, oh. as, as the uh, first in command or second in command, who was the science officer, but they kind of, that character of number one, that like very cool, calm, collected female first officer sort of became Spock, if that makes sense. Interesting. So, so Spock from the original pilot, you might've noticed he like smiles here and there. Um, so his character wasn't fully developed into the Spock that like we know and love who's like fully logical and all of that. Um, and a lot of that character was sort of borrowed, I think from number one and just sort of incorporated into his character. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's always, it's always a little bit bittersweet because you sort of wonder what Star Trek would have been if they had had that original crew. But I do think that Kirk mm. kind of makes it like it's the, the sort of play between like Kirk McCoy and Spock is really the thing that like makes it work. Um, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. In my notes for um, part two, I write at eight ten PM, William Shatner, not my type, but even I know he is handsome. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about Kirk. Like he's like a person that I would admire in a bar, but like no way in hell would I actually like engage that mess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but, but super hot, you know, and he's shirtless mm. a bunch in this, <laughs> this season. <laughs> Um, don't make me spit my whiskey sour all over this Apple <laughs> keyboard. I don't hate it. I'm just saying like, I don't hate it. I can, I can window shop. It's fine. Mm, that's funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, so that's, that's cool. So yeah, so there's sort of like a show within a show yeah. and, and then it's like a show within a show within a show because the Telosians <laughs> are like watching. Yeah. So Telosians, that's what they're called again. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I write at 7, 14 PM. I was very surprised to see these big headed folks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What did you think of uh, the inhabitants of Talos Four? I was just very surprised to see them, um, and and we can talk more about it in um, part two. But I have some very strong feelings about their heads and the way that those, <laughs> the way that those heads look. Um, Tell me. Well, should we talk about it in part two? Because it's like half of my notes on part two is about oh. these guys' heads. You know, I mean, I think we'll have plenty to talk about part two, but I do want to know. Um, I I well, know. I just, they just, it, you know, here's what I have at 8.31 p.m. on part two. It says, <laughs> the back of the head yeah. is a butt. It's a butt. Okay, I thought you were going to say a ball sack. That's kind no, of it is a butt. Okay. And then and then at 8.42 p.m. it says, can't not see butts. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, yeah. I felt strongly about the butts. Yes. I yeah. did feel strongly about the butts. You took meticulous notes. I did. The buttheads. I did. I took meticulous <laughs> notes about the buttheads, which I now remember I called the Telosians. Uh, at at 7.15 p.m., I wrote, Captain Pike is communicating via cheese grater. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, oh, the, the old communicator. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like you It does look like a cheese, cheese grater. grater. Yeah. Uh, and then at uh, 7.20 p.m., I wrote, I like how they got dressed up for court, but it's all the same people convening on the same ship as always. <laughs> <laughs> but they're in their fancy dress robes, though, Ellen. There, I, I, I understand. I appreciate the. Um, they had the, jewels on them. <laughs> yes, I appreciate the pomp and the circumstance. Um, they're it great. Just was, it was just hilarious. Because cool I was like, y'all are all on the same <laughs> boat. You're in the same space. You're just floating around. Like, I mean, I guess well, you got. I guess if that's like you were saying, like with lockdown, like you have to make it special. You gotta make. You know, you're in a ship. 
you've got multi-purpose conference rooms. Like you have to, you yes. have to use them for what you need them for. Someone yep. and, gets and married in them too, I'm sure, you know? Yes. And you have to dress for the thing. Like I'm sure when right. they have the luau, they dress totally differently. They do. Yeah. There and are some luau's in track, believe it or not. <laughs> See, now that's why I have to get I think there's TV. one. I'm remembering one in particular in Voyager. Mm. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's my notes for, for part one. <laughs> okay, well, let me, I'm going to spring some, like, fun facts on you. Let me see what okay. I got here. Okay, Um. so the actress who plays, uh, let's see, Julie Parrish. So the, the actress that you first see when they show up at Starbase 11 is an actress by the name of Julie Parrish. She was in a number of shows and movies. She was in an Elvis movie. Um, she went back to school in her late 40s and got a counseling degree, which is interesting because her character is, like, working with like, you know, patients with illnesses and stuff. Um, and then she worked for years at a battered woman's shelter. So wow. kind of cool. Wow. Um, Commander Mendez was played by a guy named Malachi throne. Um, who he's in a, he's in a number of Trek things. He was in a, I'm trying to remember if it was like a, it was like a deep space nine episode or something. He was in a later series, but he also did the voice for the keeper in the original pilot. So like the main Telosian who's played by a woman, she's it's played by a character, an actress named Meg Wiley, but the voice, um, the voice was by this guy, Malachi throne. Cause they're sort oh, of, that's crazy. Yeah. They're not really gendered. You know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. Um, so he did the voice and she played the character, but then whenever they did this, like whenever they reused this footage to make, uh, the menagerie from the old unused pilot, um, they changed the voice of her character, like electronically, they pitched it differently so that they sounded different. Cause otherwise so it would have been, so weird. they didn't dub it. They just changed it. Yeah. Yeah. They just changed the pitch of it. So that like, you weren't like, why does the Commodore have the same voice as the thing? Right. So, but yeah, um, that's kind of cool. It's kind of yeah, cool that they gave him a role. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's neat. There's yeah. also, um, another actress, the one who plays, uh, Vina, have we gotten to Vina yet in the first part? We have, right? You know what? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I, yes, we have. We totally have. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Because they land on the planet, and there's all those survivors, right, um, that they think they see, including, like, this oh, one hot yes. girl, Vina, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Her, right, her, like, right, her right. parents died. Yep. Um, so Vina was played by Susan Oliver, who she was in lots of stuff. Like, she was in, like, maybe 100 TV shows or something. Um, and this is a really cool story. She had this fear of flying because on the same day that the Buddy Holly plane crash happened, um, she was like on a transatlantic flight that like dropped from 35,000 feet to like 6,000 feet. Oh my God. And it's terrifying. So she like couldn't fly for like a year and was terrified of flying. So she actually got hypnotherapy to cure herself of her fear of flying. And then get this after that, she went to flight school, became a pilot. Oh my God. And she not only became a pilot, but she became the fourth woman to fly a single engined aircraft solo across the Atlantic ocean. Wow. And the second woman to do it from New York. Jeez lady. That's impressive. Very baller. Um, and I think it's kind of fitting because like her character in this is like somebody who crash landed on a planet and survived or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's just interesting that she became a pilot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, She's also an author. She was a director. She was one of the original 19 women that were admitted to the American Film Institute's directing workshop for women. Um, 
And she died, sadly, when she was 58 of mm. cancer, which really bums me out. But she re- she had a really full, rich life and was an interesting person, you know? Yeah, sounds like it. I, I always like to do their backstories because I feel like there's so many just kind of like token hot girls in Star Trek. <laughs> you know? And they're all like really interesting people. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. One thing about this episode, I will just get this out of the way, <laughs> that super, super bugs me. Um, is just like the rampant ableism. Mm. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, we have to, we have to talk about that. So, you know, there's this like the Christopher Pike character in, in this two parter. Like I love Christopher Pike as a character and he's been developed kind of in other series, like in discovery and stuff. And I hope they do more with that character, but um, you know, his disability in this episode is like a plot device. Like it, it exists so that like, you know, basically to serve as like a context for like justifying Spock kidnapping him against his will and like taking him to this planet. It's like, how could he possibly live a full fulfilled life in that physical state? Mm-hmm. Um, which is horrible. <laughs> like it's super messed up, like as a premise um, yeah, totally. you know, but it's, it, but also like, you got to look at like Americans with disabilities act was only in 1991. Right. So it's like, yeah, this is so, you know, but for me, it's very, it's yeah. very anti like Trek ethos because mm, interesting. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, it's also out of character for Spock because Spock, like, I mean, I get that he sort of can justify anything with logic, but, and he's sort of acting under what he thinks are noble intentions, but like, the guy says no, like repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly says no, 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 no. And he kidnaps him anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's, that's super problematic. Yeah. There's um, a couple layers there. Yeah. There's just a lot of layers about like consent and agency and like dignity. And, um, yeah. So it's, it's a little, uh, it bugs me, you know? Also, I feel like he's such an important, interesting character in the Star Trek world. Um, and and there are ways that a director can, you know, convey like the inner world of a person who can't communicate with speech. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I mean, 100%. we have telepathic aliens in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? But we don't yeah. get any of his thoughts. Yeah. Like we, and I, I feel like it just would have been so easy to like have him communicate with the Telosians and like us get to hear it. Well, you know? I mean, I guess we did get to hear it when he was on the planet, right? Right, but he only has, like, feelings and character and emotion when, when he's, like, abled and young. Right. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, But he's, he's not abled and young, right? Because he's... Right, right, right. But, I mean, like, like, in the illusion. flashbacks, you get a sense of who he is. Yeah. But in the present day, you don't get any sense of, like, who he is as a person. Like, he's just a plot development. Am I, ju- am I just thinking about part two? And when I say that, am I just thinking about part two when they... When he's, like... Oh, you're talking about the ending? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's true. But I mean, like, that's, it doesn't, that does, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't take, it doesn't dis- disagree with what you're saying. I'm, right. It's, it's yeah. like, he has to be in this, like, abled form. Right. To, like, do anything interesting or have feelings that are considered. Right. In the story. Yeah. So I just feel like that's, yeah. And I, yeah. I have more to say about the ending, but we'll save that for part two. But um, sure, 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 sure. But yeah, the other thing is, it's just like not believable. It's like we're in whatever century we're in and like, this is the best wheelchair they can make. 
And he can, like, the, the one beep or two beeps. And, like, we have telepathic aliens. They live in a galaxy where it's, like, the common thing that some species can do that. There have been other episodes about, like, telepathy and stuff. Mm. Um, but didn't so they say kinda, that these guys were, like, super advanced? Yeah, but there have been also, like... The buttheads? <laughs> uh, like, there was an episode... I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Um, but basically, like, there's a character... There's a crewman who develops kind of godlike powers. But... The premise of the episode was that there are some humans who have like, like extrasensory, who are more sort of able, like more inclined, I guess, like just naturally toward mm. like being capable of those kind of, kinds of things, you know? Yeah. Um, and there were like two crewmen that like, because they were already, they had like a little bit of ESP already or whatever. Um, so it's, and also there are other like alien species in, in star trek that are telepathic and it it just i'm just saying they could have found him a translator i think the point yeah. that, that you're kind of making is it's a fictional show like surely they right. could have used fiction as a device to come up with a more um human way for someone with a disability to communicate right yeah i guess i just don't i don't appreciate the way that they use them as a prop yeah um and i feel like you know, we don't like his disability adds nothing to like his character development. Like we don't learn about the ways that like living with disabilities has enriched or challenged or broadened like his experience of being a human. Like it's well, we just, do. We learn that it's narrowed it. Right. That's, That's we all learn. we learn. Yeah. That's all we learn is that like, and so for me that that is just like not a full picture of that. And and it's and it's it's insulting really, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting in light of what you were saying about how it's a groundbreaking show in terms of inclusion. Right. Um, (laughs) But I also think, I mean, it, you know, yes, they had one, like you can't, you can't conflate disability with race. They're separate issues. No, totally. Um, But it's like, but you're, but like, it's not like a, it's not like a fully, diverse show either you know so there well, was it's room- just interesting that they could imagine women on the bridge and they could imagine mm-hmm. black people in space but they couldn't imagine you know a differently abled person with agency right well i uh yeah and i understand that for sure but then also like if you zoom out and you think about culturally what was going on like totally m- feminism was had this whole new breath um and 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 the civil rights movement was just kind of starting to make actual like legislative change. And then, Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, Americans with disabilities act wouldn't be for another 30 years. So it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's a cop out to just say it's a product of its time, but it's like Mm -hmm. it, we as Americans didn't have, we hadn't conceived of that yet. No, we didn't have a full sense of disability and, and what that means. And, um, I, I guess that's true. I think there there were definitely some conversations about like patients' rights and uh, like medical ethics and like consent. Because mm-hmm. I, I did an, in a previous episode with Betty Sue, we did one called Dagger of the Mind, and in that one, they're in like um, a mental institution, and it sort of deals with like lobotomies and stuff like that, which were very common mm. up until around that time. When uniquely, people were like, uniquely horrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And people should actually have a right to say no to some things. Um, 
you know? And so, yeah, anyway, it's, I do think that's true, but it even is, is counter to like the core message of the original pilot, the cage in my view, because that episode ends with like Pike leaving, right. Um, leaving this planet and being like, I can't live in a cage. Mm. Um, and, and basically the Talosians learn that like the human spirit can't be caged and, you know, we, that even if the fantasy is better than reality, we prefer reality because we're just, that's who we are as a species, mm. um, that we need freedom. And, and that's like the core message of like the original pilot. Um, and this, the message of the menagerie is very different the message of the menagerie is like, yeah, I'll say. there can be truth. And, you know, like that's what they're striving for. So it's a very different, um, takeaway. So you know, I think the yeah. message they're trying to send is like, you know, illusion can be beautiful. Um, mm. You know what I mean? And like sometimes someone, what might seem like a deceptive act might be done out of actual like loyalty and love. So like things can be misleading at first glance or whatever. Like, I think that that was sort of at the heart of what they were trying to say. I mean, it's, it's definitely like, for me, the, the, the sort of, plot device of like Pike being an invalid sort of like spoils it for me. But, um, <laughs> but I do yeah. see what they were like trying to say. And, but that message is really different from like the original takeaway of, of the cage, which is a great episode. Um, so, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah no, that's super. There. Yeah. That's super interesting. And, and I think, you know, like, like all good art, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. But I just think it's important to remember, like, He's, you know, he might just be communicating with beeps, but he's like a decorated Starfleet officer, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah. anyway, and, I and hope to that the he- and to the other characters, it's like, okay, you are a you're a you're a rolling um, you're 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 a rolling computer mouse that beeps now, you know. Like right. It's, I mean, McCoy yeah. at one point, who's the doctor, says that Pike is like a useless vegetative body. Yeah, but obviously, he like he's communicating and has right. He was brain. like, even though his mind is working, like he's trapped in this useless vegetative body. It's like interesting. Come on, yeah, man. yeah. So, but anyway, all that to say, that's just a rant. I have like people in my family with disabilities, so it just always kind of I see those things, I guess. Um, but yeah, so the the actor who played Pike in the original pilot is an actor named Jeffrey Hunter, but he wasn't available. So the reason that they kind of did this is they couldn't get the original actor. So, (laughs) you know, this is all. And like the fact that they used the original pilot and sort of reworked it was because they were running out of money (laughs) and, you know, and the the studio was wanting them to stay in budget. And so they kind of, you know, the pilot had been very expensive to make. So they, they, you know, creatively, um, made use of a lot of that footage, which was smart. Um, but yeah, so the actor that's actually in the prosthetics and, you know, is playing like the injured Pike is a guy named Sean Kenny, just in case you're wondering. He did um, look real different. He looked real different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me, I know that this is like sacrilege to talk about Star Wars on a Star Trek podcast, but it sort <laughs> of reminds me of like Luke Skywalker's boating accident, you know? <sighs> Like Mark I, Hamill was in like a like a boat accident and like badly got disfigured and that's why they had to throw in that scene at the beginning of was it Empire Strikes Back where he's like he's with the big scary bear thing on Hoth the frozen planet. I 
I'm so sorry, Grace, but I just <laughs> it's okay. I just don't know what you're talking about. I wish I did, but I don't. That's all right. Somebody out there listening will. Yes, hundred um, percent. But anywho, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> moving on. No, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, I was also going to say the reason that they said it 13 years ago. And you were saying, like, the difference between Spock then and Spock <laughs> now is, like, the haircut or the facial hair or whatever. Yeah. Um, so all of, like, they had kind of, like, updated some of the weaponry and stuff like that, the communicators and things like that. They were, like, they looked better, you know what I mean, <laughs> since the pilot. So they they sort of intentionally said it a little bit in the past to be like, well, we've upgraded that stuff now. Yeah, you we know? no longer need this cheese grater. Right, right. <laughs> and to kind of explain the differences in, like, Spock's appearance or whatever. So that was part of why they put it 13 years in the past. Um, but yeah. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. And then, the, and then they got past the whole thing of like, you know, this is clearly not like archival footage because there's like close ups and you know what I mean? And like cameras panning and stuff like that. And like, it wouldn't no official start. <laughs> yeah. You know. They had very cinematic uh, archive yeah. people. Yeah. Like this is not a <laughs> ring camera, you know? So uh. like, yeah. But but they explained it. The Commodore is like, what is this? No Starfleet thing could look this good or whatever. And they're like, this is being broadcast from directly from the planet, and that's why it looks so amazing or whatever. Mm, so, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, they, they, they kind of anticipated that people would be like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Do you um, just have like a really detailed knowledge about all of these episodes? <laughs> I re- I, I'm not like, I just, I'm really like, I'm interested in that. Like I, I like, I, so I have like a cursory knowledge going in, and I've watched all of Star Trek like a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, How long so did that take? I def- oh, oh, like years of my life. Wow. Um, cool. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, I always have it on when I'm getting ready for shows and stuff and like mm. I'll have it on in the morning. But, um, but so I start. I went in with that, but then like, as I go, I kind of watch it more critically for the podcast. So it's been really good for my nerddom because it's like I've, I've, I've gotten like I've reached a new level. Of, like, yeah, Nirvana, it, you know? it forces you to take a, lo- a closer look. Yeah, I have to really think about it because um, when I'm watching it, I'm just enjoying it. I'm not like going like, who played that person? Right, you know I mean? right, so, right. Yeah. So I kind of right. like I do a little bit of extra digging for the podcast, but that's yeah. probably one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast because I like want to know that stuff and show off around other nerds but um oh, nice you know? <laughs> yeah totally okay so yeah so basically this episode ends with um you know the Telosians holding the crew of the enterprise hostage and forcing them to watch home movies and uh it's kind of ironic because it's almost like roddenberry was holding the network hostage and forcing them to air his pilot um <laughs> So, yeah, it's all good. So that's kind of where it ends. Um, what did you think of, like, number one before we move on? Angel Barrett. Who played her? Was uh, Angel Barrett? Who? Who? Number one. Oh, she's, like, the, the first officer, the the woman that takes command. Menagerie. Dark number hair. Number one. Just giving, voice. It, giving it a quick Google. Um... <laughs> She was uh, like, okay, so she's Pike's like right hand person, Cap- like the original captain. Hmm. And she's the one. So when he gets captured, she takes command of the ship and like 
makes the decisions. Wow. Yeah. What does it say about me that I don't have a recollection of her? <laughs> um, it says that I guess she wasn't that riveting on screen for you, but um, <laughs> I, I think it's just cool that that, that happened because like we're coming out of um, some really different like all of the science fiction movies and shows and stuff up to that point had not had women in command roles. Mm. So that was like a very yeah, like novel thing. But also she was played by an actress named Majel Barrett, who was Gene Roddenberry's like side piece at the time, his girlfriend. Um, he was married, but they were together sort of. And, mm. and then eventually they were married and she became like his second wife. And she's had a lot of roles in Star Trek. She played nurse chapel in the original series. Um, she plays one of the main characters of Next Generation's mom. And um, she's also the voice of the computer. So mm. anytime in Star Trek, for the most part, that you hear a computer talking, that's Majel Barrett. And um, and I, I personally think that her voice was like a template for a lot of computer voices that you think about now, like Siri or Alexa or things like that, because it's like this calm, female, authoritative voice. Interesting. So, and there's lots of stuff like in modern technology that was like directly taken from Star Trek, like mm. um, iPads and doors that slide open and close and uh, yeah. Bluetooth and uh, 3D printers. And I did know, a gig so. once, I did a gig once in uh, Chillicothe, Ohio, and we had one of the artist <laughs> buses where you have the lounge in the back that the artist stays in. And, um, we called it the Nordstrom bus because the inside looked like a Nordstrom, but the, nice. but the, it had pocket automatic pocket sliding doors with a button um, uh-huh. instead of like, you know, just like a bus, like a regular bus door that you can just kind of manually open and close. And um, sure, sure. the buttons, you know, like the good thing about the button door is that it operates more quietly. The bad thing is <laughs> that it's electric. And so a, a fuse went out and we, oh, no. <laughs> got, the guy I was playing with got stuck in the back. It was okay because he like no. mostly, he mostly just wanted to hang out by himself anyway, so it was like really no big deal for him. Um, uh-huh. Except well, that I mean, he kind of needed have the AC to, on. He kind of like, needed to use the bathroom. No, oh, it was just God. like it was just like a fuse for the the like because there's like different fuses for like on a car. There's like different fuses for different parts of the electrical, and oh, so this God. was just the fuse about the doors and the windows. Um, but wow. yeah, so <laughs> I didn't even know that could happen, but I mean, guy, it's yeah, it was kind yeah. of funny. That's what the, anyway. Guy. Yeah. The, the point is futuristic stuff from science fiction <laughs> has informed our current us living in the future for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's move on song pairings. It, I think it's that time. I think we've, we've kind of reached all that we can, we can dig out of this episode and we're about mm-hmm. to, Come back for the part two, which I'm very, very excited about with uh, Brian Medora. Brian, you've been so quiet this whole time. It's cool. Um, I have a bass in my hands, and I'm just kind of like playing noodles. <laughs> cool. She knows She's it's like, my episode. She knows go. to stay away. So I'm Got just it. chilling. It's cool. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. I um, agree you with have, you- some things you've said. <laughs> cool. Good to know. Um, do, do you have any final thoughts about part one, Ryan, before we move on to song pairings? Um, I don't believe so. I think I've, I I watched it, but I was eating lunch at the time, <laughs> knowing that like I I had to um muster up the strength to watch the second one. So I watched the first <laughs> one, but it was definitely more of like um an auxiliary it was an experience. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
I was paying attention, but I was also like, oh, I have yogurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about all TV. Yeah. Well, all right. So, Ellen, talk to me about these songs that you picked. Um, Oh, I I picked your head. Yeah, I picked your head's too big by the Diddy Bops because these guys' heads are too big. (laughs) So that's why I picked that song. That that makes sense. Um, I I saw the Diddy Bops in concert one million years ago, and they were excellent. Excellent. I'm not familiar with their music. But They're kind of just like um, <laughs> irreverent and self-aware, which is all I ask of anybody. Mm. Um, they they are just wonderful. It's good to be those two things in combination, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. And then what's the second one of yours? Tell me about uh, the Uncle Ellen song. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest. I do not remember which one I sent. You said a song called Yurt. Oh, um, from an album called Haven't Changed Much. I just picked that because it's the one that I hate the least. <laughs> that's, you I know, that's a good know, enough reason for When me. you've only got like six songs out in total, um, you mm-hmm. don't always get to draw a, a real direct thematic line. Um, uh, that is not a requirement for the song <laughs> that is yours. That's just for the other one. So, Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Well, yeah, yeah it's, totally the one that I, it's the one that I think... Uh, has held up the best over time. Right on. Has the least Whoa. to do with like a losing sports team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just have a song on my other record about the Cubs. So, oh, gotcha. That's uh, yeah. It's it's just a a, a song about loving someone no matter what type of uh, house they live in. Aww, <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah, it's I'm, nice. I'm- Looking forward to hearing that. Um, <laughs> I picked a song called No <laughs> um, by Megan Trainer because she says no a lot in it. And in honor of Pike. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, a million times and no one listening. I thought we should have a song that says the word no a lot of times. That's hilarious. Um, Good job. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Uh, also, Let's let's take a minute. Where can people find you on the internet, Ellen Angelico? Um, uh, they should keep their expectations very low. Um, okay. And visit ellenangelico.com for an occasionally updated list of what shows that I'm playing. Uh, primary audience of that is my mom, but if you want to check it out, it's good too. <laughs> and uh, well, you're I, playing a lot of really cool shows right now. Like you're playing with Cam a bunch, and I sure know. am. I'm. There's a big audience for that. Truly the luckiest person who's ever been born. Um, I'm very excited to um, uh, be done with this particular apocalypse. Um, And uh, that's that's pretty much the only reliable source of information. I also have Instagram and Twitter, but um, I don't really, I'm not really great at. I was going to say, like, I know you're on the grams. I am on Instagram, but I just don't. I recently made it to where, cause since, since I'm not on social media for fannies anymore, I'm just like, it's just not my thing, man. That's why we got someone else to do it. So, you know, it's just yeah. not my, I don't know. I don't if it know. wasn't a part of my job, dude, I a hundred percent understand. And that's why I had it for, that's why I, I, I did it for as, as long as I did. But, but now that I don't need it for fannies, but you don't, you don't have to, cause you're not like really doing your solo project stuff yep. that much. It's you know? not, it's yep. It's not. And I can just, you know, if I do play a show of my own, I can just like text people and be like, I'm doing this thing once every five years. We're doing it. 
you know, word. And that's enough. Yeah. Like, cause it's not my, my livelihood isn't dependent on it. Yeah. Um, so it's a real I different, totally hear that. yeah, real, real different thing. But there is, you know, I am occasionally hilarious on Twitter. Um, <laughs> late, lately, lately I've just been tweeting things that my lovely partner says, um, cause she is much funnier oh. and more interesting than me. Um, for instance, that's today adorable. she, for instance, she was watching reality TV today and somebody got somebody else a promise ring. And I said, I said, sweetheart, do you want me to get you a promise ring? And she said, no, get me a promise burrito. (laughs) (laughs) I tweeted that today. I do like that. Yeah. Um, Well, but you did want to promote the Fanny School of Music. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. Check out fannyschoolofmusic.org. If you have a million dollars, I would recommend giving it to that. Um, Yeah. We're building a... uh, we're building a school, man. We're building a school for uh, kids to learn music. And I don't, that's just the legacy that I want to leave behind. Is that's fantastic. A bunch of kids that's who really know, how beautiful. To, know how to music. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, this concludes part one of our two-parter episode, The Menagerie, featuring Ellen Angelico with Ryan Medora noodling on the bass in the background inaudibly. Um, we will return next episode with part two of the menagerie season one, episode 12 of the original series of star Trek. Thanks so much for coming on the show guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This has been another strange new episode of troubadours on Trek. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever listening platform you use and head on over to patreon.com slash Grace Pettis to join the crew. This is your host, Grace Pettis, giving her all she's got, beaming out. See you at the next Shore Leave.